This morning, Coach Mike Sanford, head football coach at Western Kentucky University, is in cafe today, which is awesome. Of course, rumors start flying. A couple of weeks ago, y'all remember I flexed my muscle, and that was on Facebook Live. And so now y'all are thinking coaches are coming to recruit our pastor, and uh, um, I, I won't be joining the coaching staff at, at Western or, or anything like that. If, if I win every time coaches came hollering at me, y'all, I'd have been gone a long time ago. Uh, I'm, I'm here. Coach, thank you for being here. God bless you. Coach Sanford is a great man, a very, very fine and godly leader in our community, and uh, we're blessed to have you with us today. Uh, so welcome to Woodburn, and I uh, hope Tops have a good season. Psalm 88 uh, is, uh, is different. It, it's different. Uh, if you read the Psalms very much in your, in your devotional life, in your church life, you know the Psalms are usually where you go for praise and, and, and uplift. The Psalms are always honest, and so you see a full range of emotions always uh, in, in the different psalms, written by different psalmists. Um, but usually they always end, at least with praise. You know, there may be a, a psalmist may start out in the pit, but then there's always a rescue. And, uh, and in the end, he's praising the Lord. He's uh, put in a high place and he's lifting his voice. Uh, the psalms uh, entreat in, in, in us to praise him with cymbals and, and, and harps and uh, all kinds of loud shouting and voices. Uh, yeah, this psalm is not like that at all. Uh, of all of the psalms in the entire Bible, this one is different for the simple reason that there is no rescue, there is no praise, uh, there is no light shining in the darkness. Uh, this is called uh, by some the, the gloomy psalm, the darkest psalm. It is all of these things. Psalm 88 is a really, really difficult psalm. As we read it, you're immediately going to ask, why in the world is this even in the Bible? This, this is not encouraging. This psalm just makes you want to like jump out a window, maybe. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but there's a proverb that says this. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 20 says, Singing cheerful songs to a person with a heavy heart is like pouring vinegar in a wound. Singing cheerful songs to a person with a heavy heart is like pouring vinegar in a wound. You ever been there? Have you ever been in a place of heavy heartedness, a place of darkness? And, and at those moments, the cheerful songs just don't help. They just don't help. So if you ever wonder why Psalm 88 is in the Bible, just remember that sometimes you need a psalm to sing when your heart is like a raw, open, stinging wound. Sometimes you need a psalm to sing in darkness and uh, Psalm 88 is your psalm. Let's read it together. Psalm 88. This is good, you all. This is good. Psalm 88. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out to you by day. I come to you at night. Now hear my prayer. Listen to my cry. My life is full of troubles and death draws near. I am as good as dead, like a strong man with no strength left. They have left me among the dead, and, and I lie like a corpse in a grave. I am forgotten, cut off from your care. You have thrown me into the lowest pit, into the darkest depths. Your anger weighs me down with wave after wave. You have engulfed me. You've driven my friends away, but by making me repulsive to them, I am in a trap with no way of escape. My eyes are Blinded by my tears. Each day I beg for your help, O oh Lord. I lift my hands to you for mercy. Are your wonderful deeds of any use to the dead? 
Do the dead rise up and praise you? Can those in the grave declare your unfailing love? Can they proclaim your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Can the darkness speak of your wonderful deeds? Can anyone in the land of forgetfulness talk about your righteousness? Lord, I cry out to you. I will keep on pleading day by day. Oh, Lord, why do you reject me? Why do you turn your face from me? I have been sick and close to death since my youth. I stand helpless and desperate before your terrors. Your fierce anger has overwhelmed me. Your terrors have paralyzed me. They swirl around me like floodwaters all day long. They have engulfed me completely. You have taken away my companions and loved ones. Darkness is my closest friend. Well, have a nice day, y'all. I mean, it, that's... <laughs> Who wrote that? It's not David. You know, David's, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I dwell in the house of the Lord. I mean, that's David. You know, make a joyful noise to the Lord. I mean, that's David. This is somebody else. Who, who wrote this miserable psalm? Well, look, uh, up in the title part here, Psalm 88, if, if yours reads like mine, it gives a little bit of instructions. And that's a part of the Hebrew Bible the book of Psalms is a worship book, and, and this is like the hymnal. And there are literally instructions for the music leader at the top of some of the Psalms. And so at the top of Psalm 88, there's a note to the choir director. And it says, for the choir director, a psalm of the descendants of Korah, a song to be sung to the tune of the suffering of affliction. Sounds appropriate. A psalm of Heman the Ezraite. H-E-M-A-N. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I'm, I'm tempted to say He-Man because I grew up, you know, with He-Man on Saturday morning cartoons, but different guy. He-Man. He-Man the Ezraite. We know a little bit about him. We know that Psalm 89, which is a very different psalm, is written by his brother Ethan. He-Man and Ethan, both Ezraites. Uh, his brother's psalm is very different. Uh, there's nothing like He-Man's psalm. First Chronicles chapter 6 is when we first see the name Heman. Uh, at, at that point, we learn that David, King David, appoints Heman as his chief musician. So Heman is, 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 is not a nobody. He's actually the chief musician in uh, King David's court. Uh, so, so that's something. We know from that passage that uh, Heman is from the lineage of the prophet Samuel. The prophet Samuel was actually Heman's grandfather, and that's amazing. That means his, what, uh, great-grandmother was Hannah, the amazing woman who prayed for a baby and God gave her Samuel. So he's got that in his, in his veins. He's got that in his bones, that kind of faith. His name means faithful. Heman means, in Hebrew, faithful. If his grandfather is Samuel, then we know that his father is Joel. And if you know your Old Testament, one of the reasons why the people of Israel cry out for a king is because the sons of Samuel were so wicked. And one of those sons was Joel. And Joel was a greedy and wicked man, so wicked that the people of Israel cried out for a king. That would be Heman's dad, Heman's father. So Heman's father was a greedy and wicked man, but Heman is faithful. He's, he's a good man. As a matter of fact, uh, I think it's 1 Kings chapter 4. Actually, 
is talking about the wisdom of Solomon. You know, Solomon is the son of David who becomes the wisest, wisest man who ever lived. And in the scripture, when it's trying to describe how wise Solomon is, at one point in 1 Kings chapter 4, I believe, it says that Solomon was even wiser than Haman. So that's interesting. We know that Heman uh, was known for his wisdom. And so Solomon came along. Heman was maybe one of the wisest men people ever knew. So, so putting this together with me, the, the, the man who wrote this psalm is one of David's chief musicians, grandson of the prophet Samuel, one of the wisest men who ever lived. In that story in First Chronicles, when King David is bringing the ark back to Jerusalem, Remember that? It's this amazing festival of praise and victory before God. The scripture specifically says that King David appointed Heman to sort of lead that procession with the musicians. He was the chief musician, but the scripture says that Heman on that day, he, he helped lead that procession in joy and triumph and victory. He was playing the cymbals, you know, that was his job that day, and he was chosen because he was known for singing joyful songs. Okay, okay. so the grandson of prophet Samuel, whose name means faithful, one of the wisest men who ever lived, who has a reputation for singing joyful songs, this is the only song he leaves us. And the last words of the only song he leaves us are, darkness is my closest friend. Good night. What happened to Haman? What happened to him? How do you go from leading the procession of the ark of God? How do you go from, from singing songs of joy and triumph? How do you go from there to I stand desperate and afraid? Darkness is my only friend. How do you get there? What happened to him? I, I, I guess today we would call it uh, depression. We would call it depression. It's real. Haman was probably more like a lot of us. He wasn't depressed his whole life, obviously. For the biggest part of his life, from everything we can know, Haman was a guy who, who endured a lot. His life wasn't always easy. We know that. But he was the kind of guy that, you know, life would knock you down and you get back up. That was Haman. He was known for singing joyful songs, which means some days you know, weren't necessarily joyful, but by his singing, he would raise this witness of joy and triumph for the Lord. And sometimes you, know, you, you sing the song and your heart gets in line. I mean, sometimes you can do that. Sometimes you can help yourself by praising God and reminding yourself where your help comes from. And Haman lived his life that way. He, he sure did. He would get knocked down and he would come back up. I mean, by God's grace, by God's goodness, by his praise, he was able to get back on his feet. And, and you're like that too, most of us. Life knocks us down, we get back up. We don't stay down, we get back up. We get knocked down, we get back up. We, we get knocked down, we get back up until the day we get knocked down and we don't come back up. Sometimes you get knocked down and you don't come back up. Heman wouldn't have had the word depression, you know. We can call it that today. He, he didn't have the word, but he manages to, to put into words that, um, 
that sadness that can just attach itself to your soul and then leach all of the joy and hope out of you. He puts that into words with this psalm. It is dark. It is a dark psalm. I mean, the things he says to God in some ways are just kind of alarming. I mean, he has this long little section of rhetorical questions there, and they all have to do with the same thing. If I'm dead, what good am I to you then? You know, what kind of, it's going to look pretty bad on you, God, if I die. You know, I mean, that's pretty much what he's saying. It's going to be bad on you if I die. But, but he's as good as dead. That's what he says. I'm as, I'm as good as dead. I've got no friends. I'm, I'm, I'm helpless and desperate. Your anger has overwhelmed me. Floodwaters swirl around me all day long. I have no friends. Darkness is my closest friend. Okay, a, a man known for singing joyful songs his whole life leaves this one song, and this is it. He had other songs, but of all of the songs that Heman would have ever sang in the court of King David, this is the only one that, that God in his sovereignty, God by his Holy Spirit, makes sure gets included in his word. You understand that? Of all the songs that Heman ever sang or ever would have written, this is the one that God wanted to make sure lands in his word so that God's people would be reading this psalm for eons, and we are. So that tells me one thing. It, it tells me that this is real. It tells me that this is real. It tells me that, that, that a faithful man like Heman can, can sink into this kind of darkness. It, it happens. It, it certainly happens. Even a worship leader. It, it, it happens. It happened to Heman. It, it tells me that somehow, even though these words are not necessarily uplifting to us, there's a truth here that God wants us to preserve. God wants us to know. God wants us to read this. As pastor, I encounter a lot of hurting people, and, and it is so very common to have people say, Pastor Tim, I'm just so angry at God. I, I don't know how to pray. I can't pray. Or, or, you know, you just hear people say, you, you know, I, I want to question God, but I know I'm not supposed to do that. I know I'm not supposed to question God, or, or, or I know I'm not supposed to say these things. And then they begin to say these dark things. And Psalm 88 is here to remind you that you can say those things. There's no place in the Bible that says you can't question God. There are a lot of questions here, and they are ugly questions. They're ugly questions. This isn't a psalmist praising God here. This isn't one finding light in the darkness. This is a man who is in darkness, and darkness is all he sees. And yet he prays, and it is an ugly prayer. It's an ugly psalm. It's a dark psalm. The darkest psalm, people say. But, but understand, when, when dark is how you feel, dark is how you pray. You, you pray as you can. Not as you can't. And when you are in this situation, when you are uh, in your life where a human was in this moment, then honestly, this is pretty much what prayer is like. This is what it sounds like. When you're feeling dark, darkness is going to be the way you pray. You're going to pray darkness. And this is what he does. There's no place that says you can't. There's no place that says that a man or a woman of faith won't somehow end up in this kind of predicament. There's no place that says you can't question God. There's no place that says you just don't take to God and pour your heart out to him. And, and whatever comes out just comes out. That's prayer, you all. That's just prayer. Oh, Lord God of my salvation, I cry out to you by day. I come to you at night now. Hear my prayer. My life is full of trouble. 
When that is how you feel, that is how you pray. So, so let's dig into it. There must be lessons here to learn. There's a very famous prayer by an American pastor, my name is Reinhold Niebuhr. Uh, you've heard, it's the serenity prayer. It's really big in recovery. Uh, it's beautiful, though. Go ahead, read it with me. God, grant me this serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Two things here, two things. There are things I cannot change and things I can change. So the prayer is that God will give you a kind of peace, a kind of wisdom to accept things that cannot be changed and the courage to change the things that, that can be changed, wisdom to know the difference. That's a good prayer. That's, that, that's a good prayer. There's great wisdom here, and it's a kind of wisdom that actually, in, a, in, a, in an inverted way, you find in Psalm 88. Heman, in this dark place, is experiencing uh, a, a, a sort of tension that comes from being locked in, 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 in the middle of a, of, of a pit with this nest of problems, some of which can never be changed and some of which can be changed. And your task always in that situation is to try to figure out the things that cannot be changed and accept them. And then to discern the things that, that can be changed and then work to change them. That's, that's, that's the trick. I mean, Niebuhr's prayer is, is amazing and it's beautiful and it endures because of its wisdom. So, so humans in that same situation, they're are parts of his suffering that, that are not going to change. They simply have to be accepted. Well, Pastor Tim, I believe in prayer. I believe you pray. You, 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 you pray your way out. And honestly, sometimes you, you will pray your way out. Sometimes the waters of the Red Sea will part. I mean, sometimes there's bread that just rains out of the sky in the wilderness. I mean, sometimes God works that way. But honestly, sometimes he does not. Sometimes that storm that you are in the middle of, I'm, I'm telling you that storm has set in and, and it's not going to destroy you, it's not going to drown you, but it is going to last. And sometimes you just have to accept that. Just accept, this, accept the fact that you are going to go through suffering and it's going to last a while. You're going to have to endure it. That acceptance honestly brings a kind of peace because because so many times when we fall into troubles, even though Jesus said in this world you'll have trouble, we, we always seem shocked and surprised by it. I mean, when trouble happens to other people, we understand that. But when it happens to us, we freak out. We, we, like something strange is happening. But Jesus says there's nothing strange about trouble in this life. You're going to have it. You're going to have it. You're going to go through your share of it. You're going to cry tears. You're going to make trips to the hospital and the funeral home. You're not going to be exempt from this stuff, even though you have faith and even though God loves you. This world is full of trouble and you're going to experience your share of it. And sometimes the most important thing to do is simply learn to accept that. You are a human being living in a fallen world, and you are loved by God, dearly loved by God. And he has all the power in the world to change your situation, but sometimes he just doesn't. You're going to have to endure it. And you have to accept that at first. And it's hard. Other day, I do all my grocery shopping at Myers on Monday. Nobody there, y'all. I have the whole place to myself. It's awesome. Except the other day, 
It was about to pour rain. It was Monday afternoon, one of those pop-up showers. I mean, the sky was dark, dark. And it was about to pour. It was one of those moments where I, I, I come in, I've got my cart of, of groceries, and, and I can just feel it. I mean, you can feel it in the air. You can feel lightning in the air. You can just smell the rain. It is about to pour. So I am just desperate to get my groceries to my car and unload and get in the car and, you know, get, I mean, just get out of what's about to be a downpour. But as I'm going to my car, and I always park at one spot way down by the, what's it called, by the uh, buggy, the cart return. Man, you guys are awesome. The cart return. Yeah, I park by that thing. So I park way out the end by the cart return, and there was an elderly lady uh, putting her groceries in her trunk. She parked right beside me, which means she's way out there. And she had been obviously shopping in one of those little scooters, like grocery scooters, you know, with a basket. And her basket was full of groceries. So I noticed that she was kind of struggling to, uh, to unload the groceries out of her basket of her scooter. And just like me, she's looking at the clouds thinking, it's about to pour on me. So I just said, ma'am, can I help you? I'm thinking, I'll help you unload your groceries and get you on your way. She said, it would be fantastic if you would return this scooter to the store for me. <laughs> now, what y'all laughing about? What y'all laughing? Because it ain't funny. Yeah, it ain't funny. I said, well, absolutely, I'll do that for you. Because I'm thinking, you know, that's an easy thing to do. And plus, just secretly, I've always wanted to ride one of those things. <laughs> How many of you have ridden one? How many of you have ridden one? How many of you have always thought, Man, I'd just like to get on one of those and see what they do? Yeah, that's me. I just thought, I'd like to see what they do. Now, in the grocery, you know, the little old people are just like, you know, just real slow. I've always assumed that that's because they were being careful. I've always assumed that they went slow because they just don't live for speed like I do. But I've always sort of thought, you know, if I ever got on one of those things, I would want to, you know, I would want to book it. You know, through, I, I would want to, you know, put it in turbo. And just fly. I want to see what that thing will do. So she said, would you take this back to the store? And I said, I certainly will. Because I'm thinking, I, I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to put that thing in turbo. I'm going I'm to book it to the front door. And I'm going to run back to my car. That's what I thought. Those of you who have ridden those things, hands up again. It's not because you like going slow, is it? Yeah. Y'all, they don't go. They don't go. They got the throttle. It's fake. So the lady closes her trunk. I sit down on the scooters. As soon as I sit down on the scooter, just the rain opens up, y'all. So now it's just pouring rain. But no problem, y'all. I'm on a, I am on a motor scooter, you know? So I'm just like. But it doesn't do anything. It just. And I'm just going. And it is pouring rain. It's pouring rain. I turn around and that lady's like, like driving off. Like she gets away so fast. That lady must have like looked at my hairdo and looked at her, her hairdo and thought I had more to lose than her. You know, so she just went, she gone. So I am now in a downpour on a scooter that's barely moving. You know, this thing's crawling. I'm like, you know, like, am I doing this wrong? You know, and it's just, I was like, what? And it's just pouring rain, just pouring rain now. And I'm just, so, oh no. So I start kind of like, you know, <laughs> just trying to goose it. And it weighs a ton and it won't move. It's just like, just pouring rain. So I start like taking one foot <laughs> and, and trying 
trying to walk it up there. So and everything, y'all, I mean, I, I really, really, really wanted to cuss. I mean, it's a true story. And finally, I just realized I just have to ride this thing out. It is pouring rain. I'm going to be soaked. I look like an idiot. But it's not going to speed up. I'm going to ride it out. It's going to go as fast as it goes. I'm going to get wet, and I don't have any choices to make. I, I mean, I'm on this now. I'm going to have to ride it. You know? You find yourself in situations sometimes when, when you come to that realization. I am, I'm on this thing now. I'm in this now. And it is not going to go fast for me. You ever spent the night in the hospital? Nights in the hospital are the longest nights you'll ever spend in your life. The clock does not move. And they put a big one right there at the foot of your bed so you can stare at it all night long. And the hands never move. Oh, it's slow. When your heart is heavy, when you have no friends, when you are suffering... Nights are long. But honestly, when suffering comes, you simply have to accept the fact that you must ride it out for as long as it takes. Accept that. I know it sounds like I'm telling you bad news, but I think I'm telling you actually something of where the peace comes from. Once you just stop... Stop denying that this is happening to you. Stop trying to bargain and get, get out of this. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, sometimes the, the sadness, the sorrow, the sickness, it just comes upon you, and now you're going to have to go through this. And, and so just accept that. I'm going to go through this. I'm going to ride this thing out for as long as it takes. I, I mean, this is now what I'm going to do. You can't change that. But, but then understand, like Heman, that there's that part of it that that he's not going to change. I really don't know what his predicament is. It sounds like physical illness. If you look and and start putting the verses together, he says at one point, I've been sick since my youth. That's news. We don't know anything about that in scripture, but something about Heman, something about his physical body, he has often, it seems like, struggled with sickness. But at this moment of his life, he feels like the sickness is about to take his life, his we, we don't know. That part's not going to change, though, for him. It, it, that's not going to change. But, but there are things that he has choices about. And, and, and that's, the, that's always the clue. Uh, understanding what you have choices and what you don't have choices about so that when you're making the choices, you make them well. You can't make all the choices, but the choices you make, you, you have to make well. And, and the most important choice you have to make is, is, is what you're going to tell yourself about this. How are you going to talk to yourself? And, 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 and this is where I just want you to understand Heman here and the effect of this psalm. I want you to understand how, how this works. Now, let me just say this. When we're anxious or depressed, we have a tendency to think catastrophically. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like when I'm already anxious and I'm a person that, that battles anxiety, uh, I mean, I mean like, not like nervous, I mean, I, I have uh, anxiety attacks, and, and I know what that is. Anxiety or depression. The, the tendency is to is this catastrophic kind of thinking. So for me, my very first panic attack 
happened in the church office when I was counseling a woman about her marriage. And out of the blue, I mean, it just felt like it was out of the blue. I mean, just like lightning strikes. And all of a sudden, I feel like I'm having a stroke. Now, it wasn't a stroke. It wasn't a stroke. But, but something just came over me, and instantly I was terrified, and I, was, I thought I was dying. If, if you ever have a panic attack, you think you're dying. I mean, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. You think you're dying. So I thought I was having a stroke, and then I started telling myself, oh my goodness, I'm having a stroke. I've had a stroke. And then when I started talking, my speech was slurred. My speech got slurred. And at that point, I mean, I absolutely, I absolutely panicked. This poor woman, the first time I met her, you know, she never came back. Like she, she thinking she broke me. You know, she just never, ever came back to this church ever. I don't blame her. Um, when I got her out of my office, I went home. I cooked supper for my family. I left them a note. I went to the emergency room. I thought I was dying. Um, I've learned, though, something about my anxiety. I'm not dying. I'm not dying. And and, and so I I have to train myself to to think. I mean, when an anxiety attack hits me, I have to tell myself, no, I'm not dying. This is anxiety. I know what this is. I'm not dying. One of the dear ladies that I love, she struggles with anxiety as well. And when when her anxiety attacks hit her, she shakes. It's awful shaking. And and she hates the shaking. And and so when she starts shaking, she'll tell herself, oh, my goodness, this time I'm going to shake myself to death. I'm going to die, and nobody's going to find me. And I just say, no, please, don't don't say that. Don't tell yourself you're going to shake yourself to death. Just tell yourself, I'm about to shake. I do this sometimes, it always passes, you know, I'll shake and then I'll be done. I mean, you know, the the point is, no no matter what you're going through, you got to tell yourself the truth about it. You have to tell yourself the truth. Our tendency is to think catastrophically. Now, I'm not saying Heman is just speaking catastrophically here, but the point is, I don't know. I I don't know. He says he's dying, but I don't know. I don't know. He probably really thinks he is, but, but I don't know. Now, the reason I throw this out here is because it, it, this is the darkest psalm, the gloomiest psalm ever. I mean, there is no light shining in this dark place, and it makes us all just want to feel really bad for a human. But then what strikes me is this is also exactly how your teenager sounds every time you ask him to mow the yard. You know? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you ask your teenager to wash the dishes, and she's like, why, why, why? I have no friends. Terror's on every side. I'm I'm entrapped by your anger. Why? How long? It's like, I just ask you to wash the dishes. You know, this is you every time you get in the slow lane at Walmart. Why? Why? I'm going to die. Lord, why? Why does this always happen to me? Why? Darkness is my closest friend. You know what I'm saying? Am I being funny or am I telling you the truth? This is how we are. How you have a bad hair day and you're like, well, listen to my prayer. Why? Why? In a trap with no way of escape. Why? Really? I mean, sometimes troubles are real. But, but save your drama for when you got some actual problems. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just save it. Because so far, most of us, nothing has happened to you. 
I mean, yeah, you, you, you lost your pet. I understand the heartbreak of psoriasis. I, I get that. I, I get that. All of that, you know, I, I get that. You know, every now and then, you know, you go to the steakhouse and you ordered it rare and they bring it back well done. And you're like, why, why? I mean, save it for when you have some actual suffering. We have this tendency to catastrophize our lives as if something horrible is happening. And honestly, y'all, you're living pretty well. You look nice today. You're in a nice house with really, really luxurious food. I mean, you can afford to eat out, so just give the guy a break if you know if you ask for salad dressing on the side and he splashed the ranch on the lettuce. I mean, you know, darkness is not your closest friend at that point. Save it. Save it. Tell yourself the truth. Whatever situation you're in, don't, don't blow it up. Don't tell yourself you're dying. You're not dying. The doctor hasn't said you're dying. You, you may have to go through stuff. And you will go through it. You, you will. There will be times in the darkness where shadows will roll and you may not see any lights. You won't be the first. And it doesn't mean that that's where you'll be forever. It doesn't mean that. You'll get through it. We all get through it. Everybody goes through stuff and everybody gets through stuff. I don't know how long this lasted for him and have no idea. He may have died the next day. But I don't think so. I I don't think so. Well, Pastor Tim, how does it end? What happened to him? I don't know what happened to him. But I have a clue. It's in verse 13. Something about verse 13 makes me know that Haman's going to be okay. Do you see it? Verse 13. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I, Lord, I cry out to you. And what? I'm going to keep on. I cry out to you today, Lord. I'm praying to you, and I'm going to keep on praying. If you're wanting some really big advice in your darkness, then it doesn't get any bigger than this. You, you keep on praying. Just keep on praying. I'm like a strong man with no strength left, he says. Well, you know where strength comes from, right? Just keep going back. In your weakness, you just keep going back to the only one who can give you strength. In your darkness, you just keep going back to the only one who can give you light. You just keep praying. Psalm 88 is in here, and it is true. It's true. Insofar as it expresses the feelings, the suffering, the bewilderment, the despair of one of us in darkness, it's true. But I just want to remind you that it is in the entire, entire canon of God's word 
And, and so this true word is sitting here right beside a, a lot of other words that are also true. So, so uh, understand that. And, and then look at what it says over in Psalm 139. If your Bible's open, turn over so you can see it. Psalm 139, verse 12. I love this so much. It's only five pages over. <laughs> Psalm 139, verse 12 says this. Even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night Signs as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and night are the same to you. Today you may be in the same spot that Heman was in. You may feel like at this point I got no body, I got no hope. Darkness is my only friend. Just remember that you are still loved and sheltered in the arms of a God for whom night shines as bright as day. Night and day are the same to him, which means even though you can't see, he can see. And even though you can't see him, he sees you. So you pray. You just pray. You pray, and if darkness is, is what you see, then darkness may be how you pray. If, if it is an ugly prayer, you just put it all out. You empty your heart out before God, whatever is in there. You just empty it out before him. You pray, and you keep on praying. You just pray. When darkness is your closest friend, you pray and pray and pray until the light shines You pray until the light shines through. Pray with me now. God, I, I pray for our sister Christina who started chemotherapy on Thursday. Bless her. I pray for our sister Pearl who lays on a hospital bed in her daughter's house in her final days. I pray for Brenda, standing there, counting her mother's breaths. I pray for men and women and little ones in this congregation, some in this very house, some within the sound of my voice, who today would say they have nobody. I pray for those, Lord who battle sickness, and who walk in a kind of darkness even though they believe and even though they pray, and even though they cry out to you day and night. Lord, we don't understand why life must be so full of trouble. We don't understand why sometimes, Lord, the terror, the sickness, the sorrow, the sadness just leaps out of the darkness and attaches itself to our soul, Lord. We have been knocked down a lot and we've always managed to get back up, Lord. But there are some of us in this house today, some of us reading this psalm today, who've been knocked down and we aren't able to get back up. We're not getting back up. Lord, we are strong men and women, but we have lost our strength. 
So teach us, Lord, how to cry out to you. Teach us how just to pray and ask our questions and ask how long and why, Lord, we don't have anywhere else to go, so we come to you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have a kind of serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, to recognize the choices that aren't ours to make. Help us to have courage, Lord, to change the things we can. Wisdom, Lord, to know the difference between a choice that's not ours and a choice that is ours to make. And when we have a choice to make, Lord, help us to make it with faith and with hope and with love. Lord Jesus, today some of us cry out from the darkness. Help us, Lord, to cry and cry. But, Lord, in this house, in this church, Lord, I pray that none of us cries out alone. I pray that we all will love each other well, that we'll be friends with one another, that we will not abandon one another when we suffer. We may suffer, Lord, but let us not suffer alone and let us not suffer long. Help us, Lord, simply to cry out to you until the light shines through. Oh, Lord Jesus, send the light. We pray in Jesus' precious name.